see over there, over there too. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Um, it's again, it's, it, we're so happy that you're here. Uh, we are a church uh, of wide open arms and our desire is that number one, you'll make Jesus the Lord of your life and number two, that you'll hopefully make this church your church. And so thank you, thank you for being here. Um, also, if, if, so if you're here for the first time, here's what happens with me. Church is over and I'm talking to a bunch of people and then the people that are here for the first, I mean, granted, if you're, if you're not new to this church, I'm still happy you're here but I really want to meet the new people. And so I want to ask you guys to do something. The people that are, that this church is new to them, I'm going to ask you if you could meet me after church. Like I'm going to pray, we're going to be done here after we're done, and I'm going to walk out into the guest lounge. The guest lounge, if you make out this door, it's to your right. If you make it out that back door, it's to your left. It's a little living room area, and I just want to meet you. I just want to meet you. So if you brought this person that's here for the first time, please bring them. It will take probably 30 seconds. All I want to do is, hey, how you doing? Thank you. I'll get your name, and uh, that's all we're going to do. Sound good? Good. I wasn't sure. I was like, there's a weird silence there. I wonder if I said something wrong. So um, also, just, re- just a reminder to all of us, we are Christ's ambassadors. That's, that's, that's how the Bible describes us. And so um, invite people to church. Feel free to invite your friends, your neighbors, everyone to church. Just invite them. Invite them. Uh, because if the messages and the, and the worship experience is helpful to you, why not bring someone that you love to be part of this church experience? All right? Sound good? Amen. Yeah? Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. So Matthew chapter 22 is the uh, verse that we are going to share today. Matthew chapter 22, three verses. Real quick, I'm going to read it. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. If you have a Bible, even better yet, uh, we're going to have the words up on the screen. Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. It says this. Jesus replied, Jesus was answering a Pharisee who was trying to trap him. He says, Jesus replied, because he was asking, to, was asking him, what are, what's, the, what's the, the greatest commandment of all? And so he answers, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, not just with part of it, with all of it, uh, your, with all your heart, your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest commandment, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments, Okay. So today, we're ending our series called Joy Stealers. And um, I was very excited about this, this sermon series. I hope it was a blessing to you. Next week, we're starting a brand new one, and I'm even more excited about this one. It's called The Gospel Series. And now, if you've been here for a while, you're like, okay, The Gospel. I've already heard The Gospel before, but listen, I think there's a bunch of stuff about The Gospel that you think that you know that you, that, that you actually don't know, and there's some things that you've learned that I think you need to unlearn. Because you know what? Honestly, learning something is just as important as unlearning some stuff. And I grew up with some false conceptions of what the gospel was that I had to unlearn, and I am unlearning currently. And so I used to also think that the gospel was for the unbeliever. That's how, that's how I grew up. Like the gospel is for the person who doesn't know Christ. Once that person prays Jesus into their heart, then they no longer need the gospel. In other words, they need the gospel to be saved, but they do not need the gospel after that. And so we're going to do a whole series on what the gospel is, and also we're going to talk about what the gospel is not. That's starting this, next week. Very excited about this. Now, joy stealers. We started off the series uh, talking about self-centeredness. These are things that that steal our joy. Self-centeredness was the first week. Second week was comparison. The third week was the burden of sin. And today, we're going to talk about hypocrisy. You guys happy you came to church today? 
Okay, so the assumption is, I know a hypocrite. And this, this message is for him. Or you're thinking of someone, I wish that person was here. Because this is not about me today, okay? Okay, well, you got another thing coming. So listen, this message today, I'm telling you right now, it's very uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable, but I promise you it's going to be good in the end. And so I want to set it up like this. Um, as I get older, I'm 46 now, I'm going to be 47 in September. Uh, there's some things that start to happen in your brain, like your brain starts to like fire a little bit differently and all of a sudden I'll be like in the kitchen and I'm standing in the kitchen and I'm like, okay, I know I came here for a reason, but I can't remember why. And so I'm standing there looking around like I know that if I leave, it's going to come back to me. So I'm just standing there like a moron and then my wife comes in and she's looking at me standing there. She's like, what are you doing standing there? I'm like, I know I'm here for a reason, but I don't know why. That's true in life as well. Yesterday, uh, my son Justin, he's 18, uh, he went to his prom. And I'm like, I'm looking at him with his tuxedo on, and I'm like, when did this happen? Wasn't he born like three days ago? And so there's those moments in life when you think about that and you look around at your life and, and you're, you're, you're like me in the kitchen, like you're standing here and you have maybe your career, job, kids, school, whatever it is that you're in right now, and all of a sudden you look around and you're like, hey, I know I'm here, I don't know how I got here, and I don't quite know why I'm here. Have you ever been there? Has that ever happened to you? So what I wanna to present to you this morning is probably the most important question of all. And it's the question of why. This is a question about purpose. It's a question of why. Like, why? This is a question that philosophers, artists, musicians, writers, etc., have been asking themselves forever. It's the, big, it's the biggest question of all. Why? 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 Now, we have a serious problem in America. We are leading the whole world in wealth. We have the, we have, we're the second wealthiest country in the whole world. You thought we were the first? Second. China's up there. Uh, second wealthiest country. But we're, also, we're not only leading in wealth, but we're also leading in depression and anxiety. And so the question arises... So we have all of our needs met. Like most, most, most of the world, you're working that day to eat that day. That's just reality. We're in a, in a situation where we, most of us know where our next meal is coming from. However, we're more depressed than the whole world. We're more anxious than the whole world. And sometimes we may assume, hey, since we have our needs met, why is there so much depression and so much, so much anxiety? But the reality is that depression and anxiety and this feeling of purposelessness, we would assume that it comes as a result of being too busy, of having too much to do, and having no margin. But the truth is that that's not what it is. It's not about busyness and it's not about lack of, of margin, it's about lack of purpose. It's not knowing, not answering the why question behind all the things that you do. You know what you're doing, but you don't know why you're doing it. And so, so when you have that, that feeling and you're feeling depressed and you're like thinking, hey, what, what's, this, what's this all about? Because it's only moments when all of a sudden it's like, oh man, and we feel depressed and we feel anxious. And what do we do immediately? Instagram. Have you ever done that? Like you're thinking about like, oh, here it comes, like the feeling. And then you just go to your phone. And you may not even know that you're doing this. But we're going to... Um, all these things that we have, social media, drugs, alcohol, entertainment, busyness, uh, sugar, uh, all these things that kind of like numb the pain. And so 
that's the, the, the thing that I want us to talk about a little bit today. Maybe you're here and you know that you're here, but you don't know why you're here. So you know what you're doing. That's an easy answer. Like you get up, you go to work, you know, the kids try to save for retirement, vacation, pay bills, exercise, like do all these things. Like you know what you're doing, but do you know why you're doing it? Um, because all of a sudden you'll have, you won't, you won't know why. Like here's the thing, and I, I, I deal with this a lot, not personally, but I, I meet with a lot of people that go through this. All of a sudden, they had a panic attack. All of a sudden, they were depressed. All of a sudden, this thing happened, and you don't know why it happened. Um, it's like a pressure cooker. It just keeps building up. So I want, us to face, I want us to face this question today. Like, I want us to face it, and I want us to ask ourselves, what's the purpose in our life? Like, why do we do what we do? And maybe you're hearing a question. You're afraid of the question because you don't want to deal with the answer. You don't, want to, you don't want to come up with the answer and realize that you don't know why you're doing what you're doing. That's a hard answer to deal with. Um, but we shouldn't be afraid of that question. Kids aren't afraid of asking the question. I remember my son Justin, when he was growing up, he would always ask why to everything. He wanted to know why. Why is the cup green? Um, because the guy that painted it liked green. Why did he... But why? Well, maybe he grew up in a house where... He had a lot of greenery in the house, so it reminds him of his house. Well, why? Well, maybe because his parents were able to go to college and have a, a good salary, and then they were able to buy a nice house They had a lot of greenery. Why? Well, maybe because, um, you know, his parents, you know, had enough security and finances because their parents were responsible. So then it's an unending question. So that question, but we stop. Like, guys, when we grow up, we stop asking that question. And so this morning, I don't want us to stop. I don't want us to stop. Again, the what question is much easier. What do I do? Well, I'm a pastor, I'm a father, I'm a drummer. Like, that's easy. I can just tell you what I do. But if you ask me, why, am, why are you a pastor? That's a deeper question. You should try this at a party one day. You're talking, and it's like, hey, what do you do? I'm an architect. Oh, okay. Why are you an architect? <laughs> right? It's, immediately it goes deeper. It goes deeper. And so the reason why I, I am asking you this is because the why question is probably the most important question anyone could ever ask because why is a question of purpose and why messes everything up because sometimes we just don't want to answer the question because it's going gonna, it's gonna to complicate us. Um, this question answers, uh, it goes to the purpose, it goes to our motivation, it reveals your true self. And so what I want to do today is I want to propose that we stop running from this question and we face the question. It makes us uncomfortable. I understand. But growth comes from discomfort. And so, here's why this question is important. The question of why is so important because this is the most important question to Jesus. Jesus didn't care what. He cared why. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is saying, I don't care, I don't care what you give. I care why you give. I don't care what you pray. I care why you pray. Like the, the, the woman that gave the most money, remember how much, how much money she gave? The widow, she gave two copper coins. And she gave more than everybody else. Why? Because, because the rest of them were, were giving to be seen by others, but this widow was giving to the person that she knew that saw in the secret place. 
She had the right why. Um, with prayer as well, the same thing. You know, the, the Pharisees, they would have these big elaborate prayers. Um, they, they, the reason why they would pray these prayers was because they wanted to hear, be heard by everybody. And so they got their reward. Jesus says they have their reward, which is be, be heard by other people. Um, but he says, but when you pray, you go into the quiet place and pray to the person who is there in secret, which is God, and he will reward you. And so Jesus only cares about the why. He doesn't care about the what. And he was fed up with the Pharisees. He would tell them in Matthew 23, starting in uh, verse 27, it says this, he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. He's telling them that you guys are whitewashed tombs. He's telling this to the Pharisees. He says, on the outside, you look great, perfect, nice, it's all clean, but on the inside, you're dead. You're dead on the inside, okay? So you're, fool, you're trying to fool everybody, but when in reality, inside, you're dead, okay? You can fool everybody else, but you can't fool me, what Jesus was saying. People would admire them for their knowledge, for their robes. You know, on the outside, they seem great, but they were dead on the inside, you see, Jesus never cared about the what. You could say the Pharisees had a great what, right? He only cared about the why. The same should be true for you and me. Um, what you pray is not as important as why you pray. What you give is not, a, not as important as why you give. What you do is not as important as why you do it. Now, Jesus gave us the why. Like, we, he gave us the why. Through, the whole, through his whole life, he gave us the why to live by, okay? He gave us the why. And I'm going to tell you what, what I'm going to give you this morning the, the thing that will give purpose, meaning, significance to your entire life. I'm going to give that to you this morning from the mouth of Jesus. You guys ready? This will give you fulfillment. It will give you purpose. It will give you happiness, satisfaction, balance. It will give you everything. Okay? We just read it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. First, this is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. We see, we see it again in John chapter 13, verse 34. It says this, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Then we have John 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how we are to live. It's love. It's always been love. That's your why. That's the big why. That's the thing that will give you purpose in life. In fact, it is the evidence that you are an actual follower of Jesus. John 13, 35 says, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you, what? Know all the verses? Do elaborate prayers? Give the most money? No. Love one another. So live by this why, and you will have resolved the meaning of life. And this will not only help others, but it will give you a life of purpose. 
if you love one another. So this is the why of Jesus, and this is the why that should be yours as well. So this is your assignment for this week. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. All of it. All of it. All the time. Um, love your neighbor as yourself. All the time. Every day, every single day, at every moment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Um, and also love one another as Jesus loved you. Okay? That's it. Ready? Let's close in prayer. Right? Let's just do that. Hey, just do that and you will have gained salvation, purpose, uh, meaning, like everything. If you do those things perfectly, you will gain it. All right? See, here's the problem. We all failed already. We all missed the mark. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. I don't think I've ever loved God with all my heart in every, in every single moment of my life. I'm always holding something back, always. And so are you, by the way. You see, Paul knew this too. He knew Paul, the writer of, of most of the New Testament, the first missionary ever. He was, a, he was a persecutor of Christians turned Christian himself, he knew this. He knew that, that we're self-seeking, that we're ego-centered, that we're selfish, that we're greedy. Paul knew this. He knows this. And Jesus knows this. That's why he died on the cross. Because he knows that we fall short every single day. You see, if everything that we ever did stemmed from the pure love of God, then the sacrifice of Jesus wouldn't have been necessary. Um... I heard a pastor say this. It was a great line. He says, the only thing that we add to the sacrifice of Jesus is the sin that made it necessary. See, he knows. In fact, here's the problem. Here's the problem. Please li listen to this. The problem is not being self-seeking. The problem isn't being ego-centered. The problem isn't being selfish. The problem isn't being greedy. That's not the issue, and that's not even the issue that, he had, that Jesus had with the Pharisees but rather giving the appearance that we're not. See, that's where the problem lies. You see, um, it's what Jesus couldn't stand. This is why Jesus made the Pharisees so uncomfortable, because he went for the jugular. He would expose their motivation. You see, they were focused on giving the impression that they were role models worthy of, follow, uh, of being followed. And Jesus saw that as being the worst thing ever. Why? Not because they were sinful. Listen, this is important. Not because the Pharisees were sinful or they were ego-centered or they were selfish or they were greedy, but because they were hypocrites. He says this in Matthew 23, continuing with the same idea. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but the inside you are full of greed and self-indulgence. This blind Pharisee. First clean the, the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will also be clean. You see, here's a huge misconception that I grew up with. Maybe this is you too. This, I grew up with this huge misconception. That the reason why Jesus was outraged with the Pharisees was because they were dead inside. 
In other words, Jesus was looking at the Pharisees and, and, he, and he was looking at them and he was saying, you are dead inside. You are dead inside. So I can't be with you because you are dead. And these other people over here, they're a little bit bitter. They're sinners, but at least they're not dead. I thought that that was the problem. But if you read the book of Romans, you're going to discover that we're all dead. We are all dead in our transgressions and sins. And so the problem that he had wasn't that the Pharisees were dead and that the other people weren't dead, was that the Pharisees were giving the appearance that they were not. That's the problem. Um, they were pretending to be alive while they were still dead. This was a problem, and it's still a problem today. You see, Jesus died... Um, I heard this this week as well. Jesus died only for the spiritually dead because spiritually dead people is all that there is. He's not outraged by your sinfulness either. He knows you're a sinner. Jesus hung out with prostitutes and tax collectors and drunks and outcasts. Jesus was called a friend of sinners. Important that... Um, what Jesus despised about the Pharisees was not their sinfulness. We are all sinfulness. We are all sinful, but, but their hypocrisy. Which is, this is what hypocrisy is. It's while being dead, trying to deceive others into believing that you're alive on your own terms. This is easy to do nowadays. I mean, in life, I mean, you can curate your life perfectly. Like you go on Instagram and you're like, wow. That's a crazy vacation. I thought they were in debt. Wow, look how much weight she lost. Wow, look at the amazing life that they have. Right? You can curate everything. When you realize that in reality, it's just, you know, filters and credit card debt, right? We can do the same thing with our lives. We can do the same thing spiritually. We can walk around giving the impression that we have it all together, when in reality, Jesus can see right through that. He knows that we're all dead in our transgressions and sins. You see, I can't preach this without looking at myself. And here's the thing. As I'm preparing this message, and I'm thinking about what to share today, there's a part of me that wants to give you the impression that I have it all together. Like, I want to stand here, and I'm the preacher, and I'm going to teach these people that God has entrusted to me how to live a good life. And so, I can try and deceive you into believing that I have it all together. I just want to tell you right now, I don't. I struggle with sin just as much as the next guy. I, I struggle even more than you guys do. And that's just reality. And I know that, that that doesn't surprise you. You're like, whoa, I never thought. No, I know you, I know. But I know that it doesn't surprise Jesus. You see, sinfulness, sinfulness, sinfulness is not optional. We are dead in our transgressions and sins. We are always sinning. Even our acts of righteousness are imperfect. Sinfulness is not optional. Hypocrisy is. You cannot be a hypocrite. And there's actually freedom in that. You see, I'm a sinful person. That's what Peter said too. He said, get away from me, Jesus, for I am a sinful man. Peter said that because Jesus saw right through him. 
And he assumed that Jesus was going to reject him because of his sin. Paul said the same thing in 1 Timothy 1.15. He says, he basically says, I am the most sinful man I know. I am the chief of sinners, he says. And so here's the invitation this morning. Is to come clean. To come clean. See, hypocrisy is, um, it sounds like, it's a, it's a, kind of sounds like a bad word, but hypocrisy is really, it comes from the, the word, it really means actor. It's actor, hypocrite, is an actor. So you're playing a part. So you're, you're on stage and you're one person. If you're an actor, you're on stage and you're playing a part, and then you're off stage and you're a different person. That's what hypocrisy is. In the spiritual sense, it's acting like you have it all together. And this is what Jesus despises. You see, this is not about cleaning yourself up because good luck with that. It's about giving the false appearance that you're clean and that you have it all together. And about giving... See, when we, when we give the false appearance that we're clean, we're actually preaching a false gospel with our lives. We're preaching a gospel that says, I can do it myself and so can you. This is hypocrisy. And it's a disgrace to the cross. You see, the reality is we're hopeless without Jesus. I need Jesus every, listen, I need, I need Jesus every single moment in my life. Not just one time. I need him every day. I need him to rescue me from myself every single day. Because I am selfish. I want my own thing. My brain has a mind of its own. I got to rescue it. I got to be rescued by Jesus. In fact, I'm the most sinful person I know. I know myself so well. God knows me more. And he accepts me anyway. That, like, it's easy for me. Listen, it's easy for me to, sit, to, uh, to believe that God loves and accepts everyone. I can understand that. But wrapping my mind around the fact that God loves and accepts me is harder. Because I know me. So this veil needs to be broken. Because Jesus can see right through it. Um, our why is going to be impure until we're united with Jesus. But in the meantime, let's come clean. When you do, here's the, the thing that I want us to think about. When, when you come clean and you're like, this is me, here's what happens. You create a space for the love of God to come into you and for your life to be a projection of the true love of Jesus, and you begin to walk in step with the Spirit. Because there's no more, there's no more hypocrisy, there's no more mask, it's just you. It's you and God. And preaching and talking becomes even more beautiful because, because when you're weak, then He is strong. And when you see the gospel being preached through, through brokenness, it's even more beautiful. Um, this is why confession is so important. Confession breaks the power of hypocrisy. This is what we have to do. Like the Bible talks a lot about confessing. Confessing to one another so that you may be healed. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. So here's the confession. I don't have it all together. I am a sinful man. And so are you. I'm going to end with this. Um, 
I was sharing with the, with the worship team this morning that this doesn't happen to me very often, but this morning something different happened. As I was just going through my notes, um, I usually have pretty much prepared what I'm gonna what I'm gonna preach by Wednesday. I kind of know what I'm gonna preach on, but this morning as I was going through my notes, uh, I felt that I felt impressed in my heart to share this with you guys today. So here I go. Um, there are many ways to to evaluate the health of a church. Many ways. Um, numbers, attendance, finances, um, leadership, worship, music quality, build, I mean, all these things that we can use to be able to describe whether we're doing good or bad. And I came across this verse this morning. It's Luke chapter 15, verse 2. It says this, But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And I thought about that, and I'm like, what an amazing description of a healthy church. A church that welcomes sinners and eats with them. And so as I was thinking about that, you know, I get criticized sometimes. Not a lot, you guys are pretty good, but sometimes I get criticized, and I'll get an email or something, or somebody will say something, and I try to make the modification, then if, you know, I'll listen and we'll make some changes. But if the criticism is this, you know, Downey First Christian Church, they, they welcome sinners and they eat with them, I'll take that any day of the week. You see, here's the problem, or here's the good news, I guess, is that we are all sinners in need of a savior. So the invitation today isn't stop sinning, you know, I mean, we're working on it. We got all these things. We're, good luck with being perfect. Good, good luck with loving God every single moment with all of your heart. See, here's the problem. is giving that false appearance. That's the problem. That's what hypocrisy is. So the invitation today is to take off this mask and to look at each other and realize, hey, you're a sinner just like me. So you sin too? Yes, I sin too. Oh, man. And so raise your hand if you don't sin. Okay, you need to leave this church right now. Because I want to be a church, I want to be a church where no perfect people are allowed. All right, I'm going to end with, I'm going to, I'm going to close today with this uh, as we pray together. Let's, let's, um, let's close our eyes and bow our heads. Um, Jesus, thank you for the message today. Thank you, God, that in spite of... Uh, our imperfection used to use us, Lord. Thank you, God, because I truly believe that you have uh, called us to, to walk away from hypocrisy and to realize that we are all the same. We are all the same. And I thank you, God, because you died on the cross. You forgave our sins. You declared us righteous because of your death on the cross. And we can... We can hang our hat on that. We don't have to depend on ourselves to clean up ourselves. You've done it all. So we thank you for that, Lord. I pray, God, that if uh, anyone's here today and is uh, struggling with this, this is a hard thing to admit. Um, I think we all struggle with it, but I pray, God, that you will allow for us to understand that when we come clean, when we confess to one another, we walk into this uh, space in which we can receive your love and we can give that out to one another. So we love you and we thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.